0: Three, two, and we're back. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Today I'm joined by a great friend of mine, Evan Smith, and we are going to continue on the talks that I had with Stephen Fitzsimmons revolving around the George Floyd incident and criminal justice reform. I'm bringing Evan on because he brings in a unique perspective being from a very rural part of the United States. So he can kind of speak to how that community sees some of these issues and how he personally has evolved on seeing these issues moving to he is now in Indianapolis doing an internship, but um, also to Valparaiso where we go to school, which is more of a suburban type atmosphere. Um, So thank you again for tuning in. It'll be available on all the platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Evan Smith. Evan, how's it going, man? Hey, Eason. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Uh, It's going to be a fun podcast today. Evan and I have basically held probably close to 50 episodes of a podcast (laughs) during our talks of in center field and batting practice so we thought might as well bring it to the live format here but Absolutely. evan i'll let you go ahead and give a little introduction
1: of yourself all right hello listeners i'm evan smith i'm from greensburg indiana which is uh kind of southeast in between indianapolis and cincinnati um pretty rural part of the country and uh i'm a civil engineering major i'll be a, a junior uh this upcoming fall and uh east, east and again i'm glad to have to be on here this is awesome yeah Welcome to the Peony Gallery.
0: Uh, So when I remember, I always like to give a few questions just so the the viewers can get a sense of the type of person you are. (laughs) Um, So give me a quick answer to all of these. Uh, Let's go. I always got to ask this one, in and out or Whataburger?
1: Oh, all right. I, (laughs) I don't know what other people have said, but I'm a strong Whataburger guy. Big time. Uh, I wasn't mm. in and out as much really? as I did up. I think Whataburger's got it beat big time. Wow. Yeah.
0: That, that hurts I my soul that a little him, but hurt. uh. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, you are. You are actually the first Whataburger answer, yeah. so I appreciate you uh, bringing a different perspective there. Okay. Uh, let's go cake or ice cream.
1: Um, ice cream for sure. Ice cream is the only thing keeping me. Uh. Keeping me fat, so nice. definitely ice cream.
0: Okay, uh, Twitter or Instagram?
1: Uh, I got. I'm going with IG. I love Instagram. Um, okay. Don't really do social media, but if I do it, it's definitely on Instagram. So.
0: Gotcha. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Come on, man. Yeah. Easy answer there. <laughs> Uh, let's go NBA or NFL.
1: Ooh. You know what? I got to go with the NFL and, uh, I got to rep my boys the Cincinnati Bengals. This oh, is, wow. is going to be our year. This is going to be our year.
0: You know, I do have to say actually real quick, I don't know if you listen, but, uh, Kyle Schmack was on the last episode and we talked about the MLB and his, uh, sleeper pick for the year was the Cincinnati Reds. So. Oh, so congrats they there.
1: Sleepers. They were gonna win the thing. Well like, hey. Sleeper pick.
0: But listen, they came in at about like the 13th in the power rankings. So yeah. it's it's a little bit of a sleeper pick. Hey, he's still showing you some showing you those some those love though. That's true. Uh one more, the one I'm asking everyone. MJ or LeBron.
1: Gotta go with MJ. Gotta go with the goat
0: that. I love that. Alrighty, so let's get into it. Uh, The reason I brought Evan on today is because one thing that was, I guess, the most interesting to me when Evan and I would kind of talk about some of this stuff is just like the differences in um, the way people perceive issues based on sort of The environment they either grow up in or live in. Now, as Evan mentioned earlier, he's from a more rural part of the country, and he's kind of brought that perspective in when we're having these talks, whether it be from his own perspective or, you know, family members, friends, people he knows in his community, etc. Just kind of how they the differences of how they see some of these issues and where that might come from. So obviously, with all of this stuff going on, you know, there's I guess you could say a divide. Um, I think with this last case, there was a little bit less of a divide on um, whether or not it was a problem. And I'm talking in terms of the uh, george floyd killing. Yeah, and yeah. and it got more it it got more divisive with the the riots starting and and people sort of started to pick sides. But before that, I would say that there was definitely a divide where it was almost like, you can only argue that the cops are in the right or that um, the person being detained was, you know, wrongfully murdered. I think that there's it's a lot more complex than that. And I think it's it's really kind of disgraceful almost to just pick one of those sides and roll with it because yeah. of the unique situations. And I think there's a lot of aspects that people don't touch on. So hopefully we can get into those. Uh so I guess I'll start here, Evan. You actually said you're in Indianapolis right now, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm currently living in Beach
0: Grove. I'm doing an internship up in Beach Grove this summer. So, Okay, so what was the, uh, I guess, what was it like in Indianapolis, which is obviously one of the major cities, and um, as you go across the country, it's, you know, mostly these major cities that, you're, that ex- are experiencing protests to a mass scale, and, you know, some uh, rioting, and looting, and all those types of stuff is majority of it is happening in the bigger cities. So, did you sure. experience any of that there?
1: Yeah, so I, um, it's kind of like a, it's within the 465 region, which is kind of the bypass. So, I personally wasn't like affected at all, um, by the riots. Like, I didn't see, uh, cops, you know, with riot shields or anything like that. However, um, after, like I, I show up on Sunday afternoons, I go home on the weekends, but when I showed up, um, I actually smelled, uh tear gas flown in from the city. And, you know, I really wasn't wow. exactly sure what all was going on. I was like, holy cow, like this is legit. This is right in my backyard of this place. Yeah. Um, the next day, my mom drove into work. She works in Indianapolis at a hospital and she was, again, kind of. This is the rural aspect of. We really don't pay attention to these kind of things. Um, right. I mean, that's horrible to say, but in reality, like if if it doesn't affect little small town Indiana, um, you know, they just kind of push it aside. So she goes driving into Indianapolis and she's seeing graffiti on the monuments, you know, glass broken in almost every single uh, downtown restaurant or business, and it was. Kind of crazy to think like even in Indianapolis isn't a really big city compared to a Chicago or right. you know, a Houston, but it was crazy that, you know what, this is, this is happening everywhere. It's not just uh, in the big ones. It's happening right here in Indianapolis. And um, yeah, so I, I personally wasn't like, I didn't have a, a brick thrown through my, my window, but uh, a guy I worked with his buddy's car got shot. He really? lived in Indianapolis and his car got shot and it's just like, wow you know it's legit so i
0: No, it is and i mean you bring up kind of the big thing that i wanted to talk about here and uh to everyone listening out there you'll remember that i brought this up when i did the the podcast with steven um just how like so when issue with issues like this it's hard for some people to sort of understand the situation and that's not necessarily a bad thing right it's just a lot harder for for people to get what's going on so i said you know i grew up in i've been mostly in a suburb type environment and a lot of people are a little bit arrogant towards this stuff not so much in the sense that like you don't walk through the neighborhood streets and you know everyone's protesting the protests or upset with that but just quite honestly like the majority of people don't really care much like it's not affecting them so they don't care much however i will say this one's a little bit different in the sense that like you're seeing even some of these like smaller cities and and you know medium-sized cities having protests as well and you know people being upset and angry like this isn't we talked about the big cities, obviously you're going to get them there as you will with pretty much any movement. But with this one, some of the, you know, suburb cities and even smaller communities, you're seeing some protests. Um, So to send it back to you, I guess, what have you heard, if anything, on your end from like, and this can be to this issue specific or issues in the past that have kind of revolved around this whole uh, police brutality, criminal justice reform type of talk coming from your community, like what is would you say is the overall attitude with this stuff? Like what what are yeah. the majority of the people feeling towards this? And do you think like I guess how I said earlier, usually in my community there's just not a whole they don't really pay attention to it because it doesn't affect them. So what do you experience from yours?
1: Yeah. So Uh, right off the bat, when things like this come up, um, number one, it's never really the, um, the cop's fault. Like when we see on the news of, you know, for instance, a white officer shooting at African-American man, um, Mm -hmm. we, they never are like, the the initial reaction is that the cop was trying to protect himself and and the guy he shot was a drug dealer, you know, like, yeah. You could boil down about 80% of the attitudes down to that right there. So, like, very blue-collar, rural, hardworking people. So, you know, they're going to represent their neighbors. You know, it's a small community, so your neighbors are going to be cops. You're going to have relatives that are cops. You always know someone. Right. And, um, you you tend to back up the people that you're more familiar with. I feel that in any scenario. You're going to be... Yep. You're gonna side with your team you're gonna side with your boys so uh they're always primarily siding on the uh the cop side however in this scenario where we've got visual evidence of the policeman you know just right basically killing this man and three policemen just watching him do it uh the attitude still is that you know the guy shouldn't have been doing what he's doing but the cop definitely shouldn't have been that far, and the three cops behind him shouldn't have done that. Like, there, everyone agrees that there are cocky cops. Uh, don't get me wrong, and that the cops definitely didn't do the right thing in this scenario. But um, you know, that's kind of the overall attitude. It's
0: okay, side yeah,
1: side with what you're familiar with, really.
0: Yeah, and I mean that is a great point. Like, so obviously, being a police officer is a a profession. It's a career path for many people. And in those smaller communities, like it does, it really does not matter where you go in the country, there's going to be a police force. So when you go to, uh, you know, some of these smaller towns and cities, yeah, you're completely right. Like the chances are, you probably know someone who is an officer. Um, I even know like my grandparents, same type of situation. They grew up in a small town that is probably there's no more than 2,000 people there, right? And everyone knows who the sheriff is. Everyone knows who, you know, the other officers are for the most part. Like, that's just the the way it is. So I guess with this situation, and you mentioned this, how no one – you can't really back up the officers in this scenario, right? Because we're yep. talking about, like
1: – Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough.
0: And, 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 I was, and I was even talking about this the other day as far as, like – what you said, how they usually justify what the like if the if there's a shooting, let's say so the officer shoots the person that they were trying to detain. Usually the backup is it was self-defense, like they were, you know, in a, a position of a threatening position and they had to defend themselves. You know, we've seen a lot of those videos where that's clearly not the case, but somehow that claim still gets justified. In this case, it you can't justify it because it was, you know, nine minutes where the guy's yeah. knee is drilling into his neck. And and so no one can really agree with that. Right. Um, yeah. But you see a few days after as like some of these protests start, uh, the narrative switches from uh, really what it was, was everyone either siding with the people feeling for for George Floyd and for that community, And then you had a group of people that was just kind of quiet about the issue. And then that quiet group kind of comes up as these riots and everything starts. And they're saying, you know, this is this is ridiculous. The it's one incident, blah, blah, blah. Um, Is that kind of what you experienced as far as the whole like because I feel like you hear that over and over. But this uh, it was just one incident. Not all cops are bad.
1: Yeah, it's not all cops are bad. But, you know, if there's. 10 bad cops and there's a hundred good cops at the end of the day, people are going to go with the a hundred. There's 110 bad cops. You know, they will, their job is to basically catch you doing wrong things and keeping the streets clean. So they're going to get a bad rep. I don't get me wrong. Our community definitely favors cops because again, it's small town, you know, everyone, but they, they're going to, I, I don't know. This is tricky to answer, honestly, because where I am personally is it's like from a younger generation and being very involved with the older generations and communicating with them. There's just no, uh, there's no empathy towards them because there's no, there's no middle ground. I feel like there's been no, um, kind of education in this subject. Mm -hmm. I, I remember back in school where and even to this day, it was slavery was always the elephant in the room. Social issues have always been the elephant in the room that just no one wants to talk about. And right. you know, I'm I'm glad that these are these elephants are now you know running around a little bit, kind of so to speak. And um, yeah, you know, now that those are out and about, people, are, especially our generation, are thinking like, okay, now let's let's be independent here even the voices that are really barking, we can make our own minds and solve these things, which I think is very good. I, I'm, I'm seeing my area and my pe- community definitely kind of having a change of heart, a change in yeah. mindset. You know, they're developing some empathy They're, You know, I feel like a lot of kids are going off to college or they're moving away from home and they're mingling and seeing different cultures and communities where then it's like, well, my back home ways aren't, you know, they're not a hundred percent correct. I, right. I don't picture, which is, uh, something that I'm currently experiencing living in Indy. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I, you could put me in that category of kids doing there. So
0: yeah, just kind of exposed to, to yeah, new things. And I think that that's honestly, like, if I had to say there was, there's one major problem in America right now, I would tell you that that problem is that people are not willing to change where they stand on things. And I think it's gotten especially bad in the last few years because it's become so much of a, like speaking just in terms of politics here, it's become so much of like a team game
1: yes, that
0: it's basically the team game. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like, so, you know, we go to, let's so Donald Trump's in office so you would consider him like the head figure of the Republican Party right and then you go to the the Democratic Party there's a couple you know this is complex because it's a little split but there's a couple people that kind of had what issues like where they stand on what issues right so everyone has mm-hmm. kind of fallen into this thing where it's like whatever that person or that group of people is saying to the fullest extent, every single one of those issues, we're going to stand by them on if we're team whatever, you know? And I think that that's it's just toxic because there's some of these issues well, sure. where there's, like, such—I feel like—I I shouldn't say easy, but some of these compromises should not be that difficult to, like, settle on a, a few key changes that need to be made, but it's so split that, like— it's like if you argue against political reform at all, then you're a liberal, you know, Democrat, and you shouldn't be taken serious. And then if you argue um, the contrary, then you're, you know, a crazy conservative. And there's just no, like you said, middle ground. And no middle ground. sometimes I, yeah, sometimes I hate that term in politics because people will deem things the middle ground. And that's that's kind of the... The way of them saying like each party gets a little bit of compromise and then you get some weird jacked up bill because they you know tried to meet in the middle when there's no real clear definition of the middle but for this stuff there there is a pretty clear definition of the middle and that's like when we talk in terms of uh criminal justice reform and in this area specific you know police brutality there are certain policies that can get passed and that should get passed that would at least limit these in theory. Right. So like oh, you, yeah, you absolutely. talk about, yeah, you talk about some of these officers like this one in particular, he had like 16 different cases um, of where he had acted out of conduct and had done something to harm someone else. And these had all been reported and there's so many loopholes in the, the system for them to either get back and reinstate it into their position or to just move to the city over and get a position there. Because if they're not convicted of anything, what's stopping them from just getting right back into the police force, even if it's not the same one they're in? So that's that's just an example I'm bringing up of something where it's like there is a clear loophole where if you said, you know, this police officer acted out of conduct and was fired because of it well he should he should not be able to get hired and if he if you want to give him the argument of okay well everyone deserves a second chance like say it's a scenario where you know no one is fatally injured and it's something where he truly did mess up but you could argue he should get a second chance because the violation was not as bad well then there should be some sort of rigorous process that that specific officer has to go to in order to, you know, regain his status in the, in the police force. Um, So I guess, what do you think about that? As far as like this whole, this whole idea of, of officers kind of getting, I shouldn't say off the hook because, you know, sometimes they do get fired, but then they find another job, the city over, like, don't you feel like that that's, I guess the quote unquote middle ground, like that there are certain things that are just no brain common sense could be done here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I kind of, when I mean middle ground um, personally, it's kind of like a, a point where both sides can have conversation and figure out their, the problem and solve the problem. So in this situation, I, I totally think that it's kind of biased because the people who are, I don't want to say making laws, but the ones who are enforcing law, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're on sides, you know, that's I, I see bias right. there. So when you go to. Yeah. So when you go to put these policies into play, like I can see where there would you run into a conflict. I completely agree. I don't think you should be able to, you know, shoot a couple people and then go over to the next town and do the same thing. Put, put more people at risk. Um, you know, there's multiple other job fields where for engineering, for example, if I go out and I get my PE license and I build a bridge and the bridge falls down and kills two people, I go to prison. I don't, my license gets stripped and I cannot go back into that field for, that's
0: a great example. Like
1: I can't go back. Um, yeah, no, that's a great example. My job, like I didn't do what was right. I got one shot and I failed. Therefore. Now I have to go do something else. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean I can't be successful. Doesn't mean I can't live a happy life. But, and doesn't mean I won't face punishment. You know, I just have to do simply do something else. I have to, um, kind yeah. of eat what I've sown and move on. And I feel like, in the criminal justice system, uh, we obviously have had none of that. So I completely agree with what you're saying. Is we need we need something, and if there's not something, it just needs to kind of be a one strike your out or a. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I agree
1: well, with. You.
0: And and to your point, like this idea, like there's almost this idea that uh, officers, when they're on duty and patrolling, that they're kind of some like higher up power, and I I don't mean that in the sense of like. You know, like a god, a religious (laughs) higher power. I mean that in the sense of of they, you know, seem to have more authority than they should. And I don't mean that in terms of like obviously they need to have some, you know, higher power of authority because they're enforcing laws and you know some people are acting criminally and those people, you know, need to be handled. But I'm talking in terms of, like, when you have these situations, uh, some of these officers getting away with what is murder, right? And yeah. some somehow this gets classified into a different thing of, like, oh, well, they're, you know, an officer on the job, so they're in a little bit of a unique situation. Like, no, in the majority of these cases, it's it's just flat-out murder. Like, you look back to some of these shootings where— You've got four officers there and two, you know, two of them are restraining the guy, whatever. And yes, in a lot of these situations, the person is resisting arrest and they're, you know, wiggling and squirming and trying to get away. But A, they're clearly not armed. So the worst thing they're going to do is somehow fend off, you know, three, four police officers, which shouldn't happen in the first place because they have police officers have, you know, so much amount of training on how to handle this situation but let's just say worst case scenario you know this guy is a freak of nature he fights off four police officers and goes running off okay now that guy is you know if he is seen in the public eye at all he's going to jail but he's like this is not a situation of This guy is gonna kill those officers, right? Like you see a lot of these videos where like there's no there's no instance where that guy ends up killing an officer because like let's say he you know gets out of it and throws one of the officers in the chokehold. Well, now you've got three other officers who can probably pretty easily either get him off, they also have tasers. And if it is that very, very, very rare instance where he could literally be about to kill one of these guys then maybe you draw your weapon but that's just like never the case with a lot of these instances it's not like no one is near no officer is near death in these in these scenarios and like the the cases that don't get talked about right is there are other police shootings that happen that are justified right like someone yes. someone <laughs> yeah. truly truly gets a firearm drawn on them And then, yes, you have to, you know, that officer is just doing his job trying to, you know, protect the streets. And And all of a sudden he's got a fire. Yes, exactly. He's got a firearm drawn on him and he's got a family to go back home to. Meanwhile, he's just on the clock, right? This is his his nine to five. So, yes, he's he's going to have to defend himself there. And if it is a fatal instance, then it might be the case that he has to, you know, fatally shoot someone in order to save himself. But I'm talking these instances where a guy is just clearly not armed. like there's the, the worst thing that's gonna happen out of it is you might you know eat a punch or something like that, right? But it, it, there's no grounds to to actually shoot the guy. Um, so I guess that's on my part where I see that all of this a little frustrating is like wrapping this back around to people defending um, the police. A lot of these instances, I don't think that that's self-defense. And I think that this goes along with, you know, the amount that police officers should be trained. I saw something today that said, you know, police officers train for around 600 hours before they get the job and a cosmetologist trains for 1200 hours before they get the job. Like that, that's a problem to me because we're talking about someone who is enforcing, you know, the laws of the land. And they are going to be put in these incredibly stressful and in- incredibly tense situations. So they have to know how to how to react and handle those. And you do that through extensive training and knowing how to handle situations. So I guess that's that's on my end. That's where it's frustrating, because I don't view a lot of these situations as self-defense or, uh, you know, where fatal force needs to be applied. And. Um, So to turn it back to you, what, what do you see on your end? Not just talking about this situation, obviously, but like some of these shootings that happen and to bring the community back in as well. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, there's this kind of defense of the police since they usually know the people. Um, so what's the defense on that side from like people within your community, as far as when those shootings happen, like, I guess, how are, they, how are they justifying that?
1: Yeah, so kind of what the rural community is basically saying is most of the time that um, we, we've always been taught, I've been taught, basically everyone I know has been taught that uh, whatever they say go, and uh, that is the cops, the law enforcement, whatever they tell you to do, you do it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're polite. You do exactly what you're told and you shouldn't have any problems yeah you may go to jail and you've probably done the wrong thing but you're not gonna get a gun pulled on you you're not gonna get tased and if for some reason you have one of these instances where you know you are treated mis like like if i got us if i was speeding and i got yanked out of my car beaten and then you know like obviously it wasn't necessary right i feel like we have the technology Uh, that's going to capture this that could potentially hear all this, um, even if there isn't someone with a phone, you know, that's kind of how this got so big is there's someone right there video recording everything, just a bystander, um, yeah, you know, I it kind of goes back to everyone from my area thinks that certain groups just aren't well taught how to communicate at court law enforcement, I feel like there's. Certain groups that, well, they, well, they have every right to think this that they're out, uh, they're out to arrest me, they're out to shoot me, um mm-hmm. which, which is horrible. So yeah. when they're taught that, when, obviously, no one wants to get shot, so they run. You know, they're scared. They're, who knows what they've done? Maybe it could have been they stole a piece of bubble gum. Right. Okay, you're gonna get nothing. Really, is wrong, but. When you act out of what I call act incorrectly, um, you you jump from one level to another one. You escalate the entire situation, and that's kind of what um, my community thinks. Like, well, they're not they're not the cops are have a hard job. They're not making it any easier when they're running away, when they're you know trying to fight back. (laughs) Like that's that's kind of what they're saying. They're saying like, well you know, the cop, he's just, you know, we've all playing sports. Um, there's, you got to be able to flip that switch. And when something happens, they flip the switch, you know, it's, you've got a weapon on you or you've got a weapon point at you. It's, it's fight or flight or what's, you know, emotions are all out of whack. Um, so that's kind of where they justify those actions. You know, it's, um, it's not what they, I guess you go back to training, like they're not I don't know if they're necessarily trained enough on when bad things happen. For example, if someone stole something and then they just run away and they have a gun or whatever, like they're not, um, you know, I personally don't understand it. I, I, I'm not a cop. I don't know what their training they go through, but, um, I completely agree with, uh, the fact that you think that, um, you know, they, they need more, you know, they need more resources. I think everyone needs more resources with our day and age. And tech with technology there's no reason that we should have uh, issues where people aren't educated people aren't um, taught the right way because it's Mm. just so readily available or it should be so readily available um, with the wealth that we have in this country all across the board but I understand that in some scenarios uh, in some communities it's lesser or greater than others Um, yeah where I'm at personally I feel like our uh, law enforcement is well funded. Um, a lot of people don't have respect for the Greensburg police, um, just because <laughs> when you get pulled over on the interstate for speeding, uh, eight cops show up. You know? Yeah. But, but then again, that could totally go back to lack of um, lack of education. They don't. They honestly don't know how to pull someone over and just do it the right way, or right. whatever scenario. So that's kind of what they think.
0: Um, yeah and I think that there's there's really two things going on here um, one of them on a societal level and then one of them on uh, I guess the interaction between certain people and police officers. so I'll start on that one. So I, like you had brought brought up how you interact with police officers so um, you mentioned that in you know how you grew up is, you know, just respect what they're saying, comply with all, you know, comply with what's going on, etc. So you could say that in the inner city communities, especially within the African-American community, you know, you have a situation where you've had a few of these instances pop up and now the conversation has to be had of, you know, what happens if you're put in that scenario. So now, You've got a lot of people worrying about, you know, something such as a body cam not being on. So when someone's pulled over, um, especially like I talked about from the African-American community, one of the responses now is to start video recording. Right. And to try and get the whole thing on camera so that if they need it, it can be used. And I think that that is at the same time we talk about this kind of disconnect sort of infuriating some officers like some officers just do not respond well to that they think that they're trying to be um you know made mockery of and yeah yeah. and and so then the situation just ends up escalating more because uh you know you've got a police officer who thinks that someone's sitting there trying to mock them and and trying to catch them doing something bad and then a person who is videotaping because they don't want to be put in a situ. They think that that's going to help them um, from getting put in a situation where, you know, it's life threatening. And so that whole kind of bash right there in itself is a problem that needs to be solved. And I think that that is solved through the training we talked about earlier. So I think that one thing you should have to do as an officer is be put in sort of these, a simulation type scenario where, they are simulating this happening, you know, you pull someone over and right away you have a video camera in your face and you have to respond to all this and you have to do this over and over again with people acting out different personalities so so that when this happens, like, it's just almost second nature for the officer to kind of remain calm and understand where they're coming from, but it's become so much of, like, this... Like I said, almost a clash of like the inner city community, uh, you know, the police officers having the belief that they all hate the police and, you know, don't care about the police. And then the the people from that community thinking that the police are basically out to try and harm them. Mm -hmm. There's just not a good relationship there. And it's a little different in like your community a, a rural community where you know it's a lot smaller a lot of people know each other like you talked about and you know like you said when the sheriff is your next door neighbor it's a lot easier for you to be respectful of them Yes. Yeah. um and vice versa it's a lot more you know if he pulls you over for doing something you shouldn't have been doing he's going to be a lot more understanding of the situation and compassionate and i think that that is just completely lacks in a lot of these scenarios because there's like, there's almost such a hatred between two groups. And I think that a a problem kind of stems from that.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing I was going to bring up is on the societal level, uh, you know, you've got this, I I did kind of bring this up in there, but you've got a, an attitude, ...towards a whole department that is negative, and then you've got beyond the cops, you've got people that, you know, are supporting the police that, like I talked about before, team A, team B, you have to be on one team, and you just support everything they do, and that brings up this sort of disconnect with trying to get these common sense things done that we talked about. So, like, the example we brought up earlier, like, if you murder someone and they were clearly pretty well controlled and uh were not they weren't putting anyone's life or any of the officers life at risk um you should be criminally charged right like cuz this is just a person like we're talking it's, about it's a, person a person doing doing something to another yeah. person yeah yeah it's this is not like some as i said before higher power that you know has rules outside of what are supposed to be our rules? Like they have to follow our rules too, um you know. To some extent, they, you know, they do have to do things that might be breaking some of our rules to keep things safe. But when we're talking about that stuff, I feel like that's just a, a co- completely different instance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but and I and I like the example that you brought up with the whole engineering thing. I think that hits it right on the head. Like. If you if you screw something up and especially if you screw something up that ends up, you know, fatally murdering someone, you don't get a second chance. Like it's not. and, And that's the problem is you see, you know, this guy having 14, 15, 16 chances. And I go back to just like when I was a little kid, you know, the more you get away with, the more you think you're gonna be able to do right. I'm sure you experienced some of that as well, especially oh, yeah. growing up in a, a more rural community. Like the more you're able to get away with without people noticing or making a big deal out of, that's just only gonna amplify how much you push those boundaries. So if you're in this officer's position and I clearly think that he had a hatred towards that specific group of people and you've done this over a dozen times like what's going to make him think that you know doing it again is going to cause any problems and he ends up taking it a step further and you know it luckily it got caught on camera but you see just the gruesome like just no no compassion whatsoever and the completely wrong tactic being used in this scenario for sure, and he probably in his head is just thinking like i've been a police officer i've been doing this for a long time and i've gotten away with similar things so like this guy's pissing me off who's to say i can't do it again yep is that kind of where you how you feel on that as far as like where a lot of this stems from is sort of just this this getting away with it factor
1: yeah and, and i think it's kind of uh I'm going to take it a step kind of farther. It's kind of, um, communities or, you know, the, the group of white people taking this issue a step too far. Like they're not, um, going out of their way to understand other communities Mm -hmm. and understand kind of like, for example, um, being from this, that community, uh, I wasn't aware of, um, systemic racism, like, my aunt showed me, she's like, dude, you've never even heard of this. I was like, no, it's kind of like the community is failing itself to get itself out of the hole. Like, the, oh, I get back to like what you said. Oh, it's not my issue. Um, but by doing that, it is your issue when you're one, not making it any better, but generation after generation, it's making it worse. Um, that's kind of my personal belief, but yeah. as a community, they, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. This is kind of, this is again this is kind of where I I stem from rural Indiana.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: thank you thank you Valparaiso and <laughs> Indianapolis for getting me out of there. But I love it. I I absolutely love my hometown. But then, like it's it, it has its flaws. It, it it for sure does. Um
0: Yeah, and I, I mean
1: education, it, it'll get better honestly. There's a lot that can be done.
0: Yeah, but, and I, and it's nothing against like You know, we're sitting here kind of talking about the two different communities and, you know, each community has the benefits of it. Right. And I'm sure that a lot of people that are in those communities love being a part of those communities. Like you said, you know, you love your hometown and there's a lot of people out there that grew up in a more rural area that that love the idea of kind of being away from everyone and and having their space, but still being part of a community. I think that what lacks and this is coming on the ends of both communities is just this idea of conversation right like i think that 90 percent, 90 of people i bet you if you took 20 members from one community 20 members from the other community sat them down at a table had them discuss these issues i bet you you would come out of there with you know some good policies i bet you like yeah people, yeah, people can figure out what actually makes sense, but there's such a disconnect now where it's like no one's willing to even have these conversations, and it's getting, like, so drawn out towards one side or the other where you've got, like, you know, you've got people in rural communities now that are going back to just, like, being fine with being outwardly racist and saying, like, African Americans— are always the ones doing this and you know, they deserve every bit they're getting. And then on the other end, you've got people from the inner cities that are saying, you know, the police having police is the worst idea. And like, they're all bad people. They all want the worst to happen with, within that community. And neither of those is the case. Like neither of those, neither of those is the correct answer. And, I keep trying, I keep kind of drawn back to this example and I I probably should just get this guy on the podcast. Uh, The guy who coached me growing, growing up playing football, um, he's African American and he's also a police officer. And this is in, uh, you know, kind of an average size city in Idaho where the majority of the, you know, the majority of that population, you probably have a good idea where they stand on a lot of this. And so for him, like, this is hard to to kind of come up with this solution, because I think he can see that disconnect where you've got just one group of people saying, oh, like, we hate the police. The police is the worst idea. And then, you know, people from within the community that he grew up in and was surrounded by or sorry, that was coming from the people he was surrounded by growing up. And then now you've got this new community saying, like, you know, all these African-American criminals are causing these problems and making a big deal out of a bad incident here and there. And so it's just sad. It's kind of sad for me to see because like, how can you stay? And I've seen a ton of these videos across social media, too, where you have got um, someone from a diverse community working within the police force, and then you've got people standing right in front of them telling them that they're part of the problem, like no, that's that that is the furthest from the truth. that's yeah. <laughs> t- that is part of the solution. like you you really want to solve all this. Get a more diverse police force. and like I know people disagree with the idea of like just hiring based on like trying to get a div- a diverse um, workforce. Mm-hmm. But I think that when we talk about a police force, this is one of those areas where it would be beneficial to do that. actually hiring, you know, people based on representing the population. So, like, if you're in a city that's 35 percent African American or and 10 percent Latino, then you should probably have those officers within your department representing that community, because that that brings back that whole sense of like what you talked about, where you have the sheriff as your neighbor. Well it's the same concept. Like if you're, if you're familiar with the people in there and you, you can somehow get on the same ground as them, it makes it, you know, it makes these problems go away because the more, I guess, comfortable the two groups are with each other. And that being, you know, the police officer and whoever he is um, confronting about a situation, it's way less likely to escalate if, if, both groups are compassionate towards each other. If one group can look at themselves and say, this person is just trying to do their job and they're trying to look out for the community, you know, I need to just be compliant. And, uh, you know, if he does act out of conduct, then, you know, maybe that's the the situation where these videos do come into play and it is necessary. But If there's some trust there, that doesn't even need to happen. So then if you look at the police's side um, where you have where they can respect the person who they're confronting about a situation and understand where they're coming from, then. Boy, that just to me, that solves a lot of the issues right there, because going back to the police officer side, you know, if you're working with a diverse police force you hear about these issues all the time. Like I'm sure at your internship and like at, you know, where, where I'm working and hearing where my dad works, like people that work together, talk about this stuff. Like that it's not just work, work, work all day. Like you, you have these conversations and you talk about other things outside of whatever area you're working in. And you know, if those conversations, which is again, it all wraps back around. But like I told you the example with, 20 people from each community sitting across from each other. Well, if that's happening in the workforce, you're really going to be an outlier. If you are the type of person that, that can't level with anyone on this, on these issues. Right. Like everyone's been around that person where like the issues, most people agree on. And then there's just that one guy that is out, out. Yeah. Outlandish and loud about that. Like, they stick out, and when we're talking about the police force, if you've got a person like that that's just clearly sticking out, it's a lot easier to clean up your p- police force then.
1: Yeah, for sure. Which but, is – Yeah.
0: Is, no, go ahead.
1: But I just kind of you, – you go back, and these are all great ideas about you know diversifying our police force. I mean, I completely agree. I think that would solve a lot of issues. However, um, could you imagine – being a cop right now, or being a kid our age, um, and just thinking, man, that being a cop job sounds really fun. Like, I, I would really like to be a cop. Those, I'm sure they have really happy lives, they make really good money, and like, that no. doesn't exist in this country right now. Being a cop would be, in my opinion, one of the hardest jobs. Because right. just like the people that, you know, are being affected negatively, they kind of as well have a target on their back because if something gets posted online and when they really screwed up, you know, sorry, you're going to just the accountability. Yeah. It's just like anything else. But I, I, for some reason, I think that being a policeman is just an incredibly difficult job. Um, because yeah. of the di- diverse areas that you're going to be in, in basically. So, um, I just, you, you make the great point with diversifying it. I just don't know how you're going to get groups of minorities in certain communities to step up and say, you know what, I need to do my part necessarily. Yes. I know that. Yeah, I maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's what we need to be solving.
0: Uh, no, it is, and and it's the it's the problem with these echo chambers where these groups of people are just like so deep into the ideas they have with each other um where you've got an issue where you know you've got one giant group of people saying that police are bad you know regardless don't be a police officer you've got people like screaming in in uh african-american police officers faces saying how can you be a part of this how can you do this like so so when, when the younger generation sees that, to go back to your point, there's no chance that more than maybe a handful of them are going to want to go into that because they think that they're going to be, you know, shamed if they're a part of that. Well, now you've got these all these open jobs for being a police officer. So who are the people that are going to fill that if it's a position that's being shamed on so bad by that community? The people that are going to fill it are going to be the people that have hateful feeling towards that group towards that group, and want to be a part of that. They want to be, you know, the fuel to that fire per se, where, you know, yeah. this group hates police officers so much. So I want to be a police officer because I hate that group. Well, yeah, now you're only making the problem worse. So I agree. I hate that uh, this whole like echo chamber thing where it's, becoming such a divide of you know hating police officers and then police officers you know hating a certain group of people because you're only going to make that worse if you don't encourage good people to become police officers like if it's not encouraging for someone in that community to want to be a police officer to bring about that change there's a whole nother problem and that's that's what i i told that guy i was talking about um When I talked to him about all this is I said, look, man, like you, this, if the change happens like this, like getting guys like you in the police force that are going to have conversations with his constituents and represent a, a certain demographic and just get the other people that he works with to have some understanding. Right. So like. So they're not acting in these hateful ways because then they can just, you know, go back to work and everyone reinforces that what they did was correct. Like you need you need people that are going to have these conversations and and, you know, I guess get the uh, get the outliers out. It just cleans itself up. And yeah, it's I mean, we're almost shooting ourselves in the foot by creating this type of environment.
1: I feel like in any issue, it it can always go back to uh, empathy and communication. Mm-hmm. If you have empathy, you're going to be willing to understand and, you know, come up with a solution. And if you communicate, you can cross ideas back and forth and come up with a solution. And uh, there's a lot of good people out there from any community. There's good people. I, and you you said something that we just need good people. From all, from all, from all spaces, from all communities. Yeah. to I would argue the majority yeah. of
0: people are good.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I would say there's 95 and we here, you know, this goes back, my grandma's a teacher, she always said this, you spend your time with the most difficult five, uh, if you had a classroom of 100, the five hardest ones are going to get 95% of the attention. And yep. then the 25 students that are fine are going to get 5% of the attention. Mm-hmm. So, and you can go to media, you can do any, you can compare that to almost anything. That's what you hear. You're going to hear what's bad. You're going to see what's bad because that's what grabs attention. It's, it's unfortunate that the good people aren't the ones being thrown on the news as much as they should be, because again, there's a lot of them and um, we've got a lot of issues in this country. Uh, this is obviously the one that's kind of blown up. Yeah, uh, exposed,
0: relevant um, right now. Yeah.
1: Um, and I really hope that we can we can end this thing because uh, I don't want my children to have to grow up with something like this. This to me, it, it's so I don't want to say obvious by any means, but it's just unnecessary that we should yes. be dealing with these things at this level in society. Hundred um, percent. So let's just. Let's figure it out. I don't know how long this is gonna take. You know, I um I don't want to say that I can't do anything about it, um, because I definitely can and I'll I'll definitely do my part with learning for myself and right. passing that on to my rural community who is you yeah, kind of voiced what they are. Um and well, I feel like just the communication, learning is what everyone can do to make this thing better. Um just from a, a small point. So yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: and to kind of conclude on that thought, like that's a great point you bring up. And it just it's frustrating because, like, yes, like you brought up, we can do stuff and people are doing stuff. And I think that this instance in particular, you see a lot of action, a lot of action coming from the ground up where people are, you know, donating to causes there. Uh, posting things on social media to to bring awareness to the issue like you it's really a unique situation where you actually do see a lot of the population on board with pushing a certain concept unfortunately i think that there's a a big problem at the top of all this where there's still just that two-sided game going on and it just there can't be a clear answer it has to be one side picks one thing, the other side picks another thing, and then they just continuously, continuously bash heads over it. You know, I think going back to our conversation thing and what you talked about with having empathy in conversation. If you know, say someone like someone in a higher office. You know, obviously the president's an easy one to pick out, but you talk about like senators, representatives. If you can have those people sit down with some of these organizations like, you know, the campaign zero, the black lives matter and have that conversation and show all of these people who are frustrated about this issue. We are having this conversation and this is what we got out of it. Yep. I think that you, you know, that, that would make so many people so happy to just see that happen, to see it's like,
1: progress. yeah, it's progress.
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's easy for like, you know, say a, throw anyone you want out there from like the, I guess the left side of the uh, the Democratic Party, where, you know, it's been clear where they stand on this issue, and it's been, you know, for a long time everyone knows where it stands. Well, they can put out all the statements they want, but that's just what people expect. It's got to be the people that are willing to sort of evolve on the issue and at least have the conversation, like at least do the people the justice of, Of talking about it. Like, if you have some of the highest people in the Republican Party come out and say, We sat down with this group, had this conversation, and this is what we got out of it. I think you're showing the American people, like, hey, we understand this is an issue, and we have our points, they have their points, and we sat down and talked about it. And I think this is what we should do going forward. Both groups kind of agreed you know right. on what what can't be done and what can be done and boy like i to me if something like that happened that would be huge because that's like that's yeah. shown that you know those are the people that that pass our legislation and those are the people that everyone is turning to about this, you know, people are getting people are bombarding their representatives phone lines to try and get something done in this respect and making all these donations to groups that are putting pressure on those people as well. So if we can get some sort of response rather than just, you know, yapping back and forth at each other and complaining about certain things like that's just so toxic that at the top level of our government, you've got the, the party leaders on both sides only committed to just you know basically shit talking the other side and it can't just be like you know agreeing on something it has to be picked the most wrong part of the movement so like for this thing you would argue that all of the looting going on which to be clear like a lot of that looting was not even coming from people who are too concerned with this movement that was coming no. from people that that are wanting to make personal gains and You know, so you take that aspect of it and then you make it the stamp of this whole movement, like campaign zero, Black Lives Matter, all these people, rioters, looters. And then on the other side, you have, like I talked about before, police officers, bad, even people who are within the police force trying to make that change, trying to have these conversations like they're the enemy. Why would they betray their people like that? Mm -hmm. That there is just on that is what it, that's what's being labeled from both sides of each group. And that's why nothing gets done when these things happen, because both parties just take whatever the worst aspect of it is. And they use that as their arguing points against the other side rather than having common sense and saying, OK, well, you know, this is a problem. And there's some clear loopholes in the system to where these guys have gotten away with this. We need to do this, this, and this, and then we can have our disagreements about, you know, some of those things. Like, you know, some people have said that the when the protests got violent, some of that was justified. Obviously, there's a lot of people that argue it wasn't. That, that you can have an argument about, but let's at least get the, the easy stuff done, right? Like, rather than just sitting there on the stuff that we're going to argue about until the world ends— why don't we do the stuff that is just,
1: it's simple. It should be done, right? That's how I feel at least. No, I agree with you. And I, um, again, we, we have a lot of issues. This is the one at the table. And instead of trying to take one big bite out of the thing, big, yeah. one big bite out of the pie, let's, um, let's take our time piece by piece, bite by bite. And let's, Let's start chopping this thing down and solving the issue. And I, I personally think it can be done. You know, um, yep. you use their or like they as in like a community or their people as in like one community. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we're we're citizens. We're we're all Americans. We're we are all on one team. You right. know, it's it's us, and uh, we're very fortunate to be here. Uh, you can go to a lot of different places around the world, and it's. Um, it's not it's not that great compared a lot, to what lives a lot that we really are blessed
0: yeah um, and i so to, let's
1: let's do it let's let, why not right this time to do it step up and uh and kind of just make our point to just end these stupid unnecessary problems
0: right and to to end it what you just said there was perfect and i think that People need to actually buy into that because you got a lot of people that say, you know, this is the greatest nation on on planet Earth and we love it and you know we we should strive to be the best in everything. Easy to say, and I think there is, you know, there's a group of people that they love to, you know, tout that the whole, you know, the patriotism aspect. Mm -hmm. Part of part of that is actually wanting to be better, right? So you got to understand that society is going to always be changing. There's going to be different things that come up. You have to be willing to to not not only change sometimes, but be able to recognize, you know, what's wrong and address it. You can't just we can't just go on for 300 years just saying we're the best and everything goes on as normal, like in order to remain the top dog. You're going to have to evolve with the different situations and society is always going to be evolving as well. So, it, you know, I'm all for loving, you know, loving the country, loving what we stand for, trying to be the best country out there. But we can't just say that stuff. Right. We have to we have to do things to make sure that that's actually the case. So, Evan. I appreciate you coming on Uh, to all the listeners. As always, this will be available on Spotify, SoundCloud and Apple podcast. Um, It was a great conversation. And one of the reasons I I really wanted to bring you on was because, like I said, from our our talks out in center field, I think you bring a unique perspective to where you grew up in a, a certain community. But you you also have you know you have a really good mind as far as willingness to sort of uh recognize things and be able to maybe change your opinions which i you know i definitely did as well i have not always had the same beliefs that i do now and this the same opinions on everything and i i think that that's the healthiest way to go about things you know one one way isn't always going to be the right way so glad to get you on um, definitely have to get you on again. I, like I said before, Evan and I probably made 50 podcasts just talking about God knows what in center field, but, sure. uh, Evan, I appreciate
1: you coming on, man. Uh, thank you very much, Easton. And, uh, thank you to Michael Momerstieg as well. I know he's not on here, but he's always, uh, been a part of these conversations as well. And, uh, shout out to Mommer. So thank you, Easton, for having shout me. To. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, Hopefully I can get on here soon. So.
0: Yes, sir. Alrighty. All right. Peace out, gallery.
1: Peace.